Are you ready for a list of 15 different ways that you can grow your podcast audience? Welcome to Grounded Content. I'm your host, Marian Abrams. This is the show for you if you're a content creator, content strategist, or an entrepreneur or a brand looking to work with your content more effectively and in a more grounded way. Today, I'm taking on podcast audience growth. You may know I'm a podcasting coach and consultant. I really like to work with people on the content of the show, on your interview skills, on your messaging, on your show structure. What are you actually talking about? That's the important part. But everybody asks, how do I grow my audience? How do I get more people to listen? A few months ago, I was preparing for a workshop I was calling Podcast Growth. And one of my friends who's in the business said, why are you so hesitant to tell people how to promote their show, how to grow the audience? You built a show, Spartan Up, with over 40 million views and downloads. Why won't you tell people how you did it? And I got kind of frustrated because there's not a simple answer. We did a lot of different things. Some were hard, some were easy, some were effective, some weren't. And honestly, the most important one I'm going to talk about at the end of the show, and that is the three phases, the three elements that you need to grow a podcast audience. But let's get right to the list. Here are 15 ways that you can grow your podcast audience. I've invited my friend Paula Jenkins. She's also a podcasting consultant, a podcasting producer. And we go through this list quickly. We give lots of examples. This is a note-taking episode. But before we start, please remember, you do not have to do all of these at once. Listen to this list. One or two of them will click with you and make sense for your show, your staff, your resources, your budget right now. The first one on the list is email. You and I have talked about this before, having an email list and using an email list to promote your podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important, even though it's kind of painful sometimes to remember to send out that newsletter every week or whatever the frequency is for your show. But even just yesterday, I was looking at stats and I noticed two very distinct blips and an uptick in downloads. And I look back and sure enough, two days, not the day of, but even just two days before I had dropped a newsletter to people. And I mean, I'm talking hundreds. So I don't think you can underestimate that those people signed up. They like you enough. They want to hear from you. Like, don't forget them. (laughs) Now, do you think of email more as audience retention or audience growth? Sounds like it's kind of retention, right? They already know about you, but they need that reminder to stay engaged. Yeah, because there was an uptick specifically on those days I got to believe these folks are not following or subscribing on an app. They're literally waiting for that email and then they go listen. So I think it is retention and maybe there's a little bit of growth if someone forwards the email along. I usually offer some stuff that isn't just about the episode in mine, as do my clients. Yeah. So full transparency, I have a small email list and I haven't been sending to it yet, but I was in a session with my friend Robbie Samuels and he reminded me I could just do a recap. I don't have to write new content. I can just say, this is, you know, the best episode last month. Here's a couple stories or articles or posts I've done and just recap it. So number two, and by the way, these are in no particular order. We're just going to like crank through these. So this is like a note-taking episode. Number two is paid social media. And I think people are very hesitant to use paid social if they don't know it. And they're right to be. Because just like you now know, growing a podcast or having a great podcast is more complicated than just buying the microphone and starting to record, doing an effective paid social campaign takes a lot. But you can get really specific in your targeting, not just of who the audience is, but what you count as a conversion, like whether they go to your website, whether they stay on your website a certain amount of time, whether they click through to something. And I would suggest that you specifically also target by iOS, like operating system. 
you can say if you're on an Apple device, you go to Apple Podcasts. If you're on an Android device, you send them to Google Podcasts or Spotify. Have you done anything with paid social? Yes, I have. And most of it, I'm going to be transparent, has been more about boosts, which I know a lot of F, like Facebook, I almost just said FB, because that's how we abbreviate it around here. But the cool people call it FB. Yeah, the FB. Um, I know experts like Claire Pelletro, she would say, don't use boosts because you're kind of throwing your money against something. But if it's what you're doing and you then use the targeting so that if you have a guest on and they're talking about something really specific, you can also target by people who are also interested in that. Yeah. And you have to be careful about the promoting to the guest's audience. So like if you have a foot care podcast and you have a chance to interview a world famous baseball player who has a foot issue about that and you promote it to their audience their audience is going to be like, what the hell is this? And the next one you have a lot more experience with than I do probably, which is the organic social. I think especially around Instagram is probably where I've seen the most growth for one of my clients around this, but really digging in and using all of the different things that Instagram does. So make sure you're doing reels and stories and posts on the main grid and inviting other people on. That's where we've seen a lot of growth. The cool kids call it IG. The IG. (laughs) The IG, yeah. (laughs) On the IG. But it really does take being meaningful and like purposeful about it. Because again, then your content, you need it to be something that your existing audience is interested in. But yeah, I think organic has been really helpful. And especially when we started seeing people sharing stories, then more and more people would see this stuff and then come back to our main account and check out what was going on. Yeah. And organic social, just like building a really good podcast is complicated. You need that mix of creativity and, you know, understanding your audience and looking at the data. All those things apply to building a strong organic social media channel. I've heard really good things lately about podcasters having success on TikTok. And I'm really interested to dig in a little more and understand how they're using it, whether they're repurposing content or creating new content there to get that success. Well, and I think with organic, especially on Instagram, you want to make sure you're doing things that are native to the app. So doing actual lives that are within Instagram. And we also run every episode because all of our stuff is in video. We run it through Studio Creator or Creator Studio for Facebook, which is a life changer if you haven't used it. But we run the actual video of every one of our shows on there as well, because it's just like the newsletter. We have a full audience that just comes to us from Instagram. And so you've got to make sure that you're preparing things and not just teasing your episodes, but maybe just putting the whole episode as a video or putting a clip because you can run more than a minute or whatever it is if you go through the creator studio. That's a really interesting point about whether you're trying to drive to the actual podcast on a podcast app or just get new listeners. A few weeks ago, I interviewed Jackie McDougall and we talked about building community. And that's another form of organic social that's not on this list. So number four is ads in podcasting apps. So a lot of the apps, the player apps, not so much Apple, but like Overcast, CastBox, a bunch of them will allow you to buy an ad. It's a little banner that comes up in the podcast player. And the upside of that, of course, is that these are people that are already engaging with podcasts. So if they click through, they're more likely that they're going to listen and subscribe. 
Have you experimented with any of those? I have never experimented on it and I've never clicked on one. So that's the thing. I've only clicked by accident. I have a friend who did it and he did it on CastBox and it did increase his numbers, but then he wasn't finding the same kind of engagement from those listeners as he was getting from the original listeners. And so it wasn't really clear whether they weren't real listeners or whether they were real listeners, but they really only engaged on that platform. But it is something that people have had success with. Number five. So we did ads in podcasting apps. This one is ads in podcasts. So I don't have like super inside information, but I know Jordan Harbinger, he used to be the host of The Art of Charm. And there was a falling out. I don't know the whole story, but he had to start again from scratch doing his own show, The Jordan Harbinger Show. And I heard ads on some of my favorite podcasts that I know have really strong listenerships. And they were host-read ads saying, if you like this kind of content, you might like to hear Jordan Harbinger's show and even talking about specific episodes and what the listeners might hear. And I know that he has had really successful growth. So I believe that that was a big part of it. I think advertising on other podcasts is a really smart way to go. And also I know that many of the larger scale podcast networks, like the ones that are within places like Acast that are managed and run at a high level, one of the ways that they promote them is to offer ad insertion for your show in other shows when they have open inventory because it works. I think it's fascinating. I know I've also seen it on Podcorn, if you ever sign up for that, but you can accept ads from other shows on your show. Well, this is our next one is promo swaps. Have you done that? No. So Greg Clunas, who is another brilliant podcaster that I am fortunate to have as a friend and to hear about his podcast growth, I know that that's something he has experimented with. He's one of these people who tries something and measures it, and he's found that to be successful. And it makes sense, because if podcast ads are successful, swaps would be too. And, you know, in a way, you probably have greater buy-in, maybe, from the host. Yeah, I would think. Because it's like you're sort of making a relationship as opposed to just a transaction. Well, and it's a lot like doing a swap of interviewing like we're even doing here. <laughs> you know, there's resonance between what we do and how we are on our shows and all that. So I could see it being really helpful. Yeah. It's funny. I hate the idea of interview swaps personally. You and I do it because it's so fun to talk to you and it makes doing my show more fun to have you on. But I hate the idea of I'm going to have you on my show because you had me on my show. I only want to have you on my show because it's valuable to my audience. Like, that's the only reason I want to have you on my show, period. And so whether you have me on, that's like, I don't care. I don't care if you have me on. I'm not going to do a swap. Yeah, I think it is a little bit odd because it feels contractual. It's like a transaction. So I'm going to be fully transparent here. I had this episode planned, 15 ways to promote your podcast. And I've been thinking for the last week, wouldn't it be more fun to do it with someone? Because I don't want to just read a list. And then Paula and I were trying to think about something to record, especially around the pod parody campaign that we've been participating in. And that's when I decided, let's just do this together. It makes perfect sense. And you're going to have me on your show. So I, I don't know. Is that a swap? Well, it's not. I mean, it is and it's not. We're collaborators. <laughs> and just to get like off track really briefly here with the claim pod parody campaign. 
If you've been seeing that hashtag or you see that hashtag in the month of March, claim pod parody, I would love to just mention that here. And the basic idea is that there are a lot more women than you think who have expertise and are active in the podcasting space. So the campaign isn't saying let's get more women into podcasting. The campaign is saying let's note the women who are in this space and it's a huge untapped potential. You know, whether you're a magazine writing an article or doing a story or hiring a coach, if you haven't looked at the women out there, you've missed a tremendous, valuable opportunity. Yeah. And I'm really excited to be, I mean, we're both a part of the campaign hosted by Libsyn and put together by Elsie Escobar. And it was really fun even just looking through the hashtag. And it was just really cool to be like, oh, you're the powerhouse behind that. And I wouldn't have known. And I think just digging into Claim Pod Parody may be eye-opening and really fun, too, if you're curious about what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, and there is a list on Podchaser and I think a couple of other places, maybe Overcast. There's a curated list of women in podcasting. You might have to type in Libsyn list or something like that, but there's a list of podcasts and podcasters that are participating in the campaign. Okay, so number eight, SEO slash blogging. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, this is one of the ones that for sure, I mean, every one of our posts that goes up on my show, on my client shows, all of them have a fairly robust blog post slash article It's really great for anyone that has a, you know, hearing loss or a hearing disability. You're also allowing them to consume your content. And I remember hearing at She Podcasts that oftentimes having a full transcript of something increases your SEO because Google reacts differently to kind of like natural spoken word than it does to formatted text that's like three paragraphs. So we do it all of the time and we can see our stats go up when we release a new article on all those sites. And I remember seeing this, I'll dig around, I probably won't be able to find the study, but there was a study that found a lot of people's first contact with a new podcast was via the website. So they would subscribe and listen by way of an app, but it makes sense that things are more searchable. People are more used to searching online on their browser. Okay, next one. Number nine is YouTube. Oh, how I love the YouTube. (laughs) So I had Scott Simpson on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He talked a lot about YouTube strategies, and he did answer the question specifically, should podcasters be on YouTube? His is one answer. There's a lot of answers. How do you use YouTube for your show? One show that I work on is Video Native, is what I might call it, meaning we start everything with video in mind. And that's been interesting because then we translate those and we edit differently for video and audio just to be totally transparent because there's some things that are visual. We actually have some things. We had one show that was under a microscope. That doesn't translate. And so for that client, we're translating YouTube into audio and it works really well. We actually found out that for her, when we run YouTube, we usually wait five or six weeks before we run the audio version of it and they both do better. We used to run them looking all fancy, I thought, on the same day. And I think people would be like, I don't know, I saw it on YouTube. But for some reason, when we separate them out, and I know this gets into something you're going to talk about in a little bit too, but it did better. For my own show, I'm doing the reverse, meaning I started audio first, and now I'm starting to do some stuff on YouTube. I mean, it's a slow growth for me, but I think what I do know what will happen is that there is, did you call it the 
vicarious circle? No. The virtuous cycle. The, I love the, the virtu virtuous cycle. The virtuous cycle. Not vicarious. It's um, the opposite of a vicious cycle. It's a right. virtuous cycle. Yeah. And you can see it come to life because when things hit, you can see this is driving traffic to the website. This is driving traffic to the other shows. So I think done well when you're editing for separate video and separate audio, it feeds on each other and it, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And I think at its simplest form, it can be like what you said about the IG, the Instagram, the IG, which is you put your full content there because it's going to find a few new listeners. And so it's okay if that's what you're doing with your podcast on YouTube, but just be aware, it's probably not going to blow up if that's what you're doing. But it is a place that a few people listen. I know I have two teenage sons and they often find and listen to music on YouTube just because it's easy to access and search and find. So I suspect a lot of people are listening to podcasts on YouTube, just that maybe they're not even looking at it. They just open up the laptop, start playing and do what they're doing. But YouTube, just like podcasting, maybe even more so, there's a lot to it. I mean, there's a lot to how you grow and measure and succeed on a YouTube channel, but it is a way to promote your podcast. Yeah. And just make sure in the description, put a link to your actual show, maybe on like Podfollow or something or, you know, Plink, anything like that. So people can find your audio show because maybe they actually prefer to listen to your show and not watch it. And then you're making sure they can find you. And maybe even include that in the actual content of the show. Okay. So number 10 is PR. And I have a couple of examples, articles, listicles, TV, radio, PR, though, is not just saying, hey, I have a show. Hello, write a story about me. It's like all of the things on this list, they can all be really effective, but most of them are not super simple. Most of them also take work. And so PR, you need to have a pitch or an outreach that's going to be relevant to the people you're pitching. They have to want the story and think that their audience is going to find it interesting. Well, and I think this one is kind of a next level item. I mean, totally important if you can do it. But dare I say, if you're a solo podcaster trying to get it done, you know, maybe PR becomes something you try and do once a month or whatever. But I think PR is helpful when you can do it. It's also one of the ones that I'd be like, and if you can't, make sure you're hitting on some of the more specific ones we've already talked about. Right. It's one of those things that people think it's a great value because it's technically free. But it's not free if your time or someone else's time is valuable. All right, number 11, innovate slash pay attention. And I have two examples here. So the pay attention one is Facebook, for example, just added podcast functionality to the platform. And so you can actually connect your podcast through the same feed that it goes to Spotify and Apple. You can use that feed and hook it up to Facebook. And it means that if you have an audience in Facebook, this is huge. And so like for the podcast I produce for Spartan, they have a huge following on their Facebook page and attaching that RSS feed to that page had a significant boost in our numbers because not everybody who followed us on Facebook knew about the show or was comfortable using podcast apps. So just paying attention to big trends, to changes in the industry can be really valuable. And then the innovating one, again, I'll go back to Spartan. So we look at our data. One of the biggest growth spurts we ever had was when we threw this really innovative podcasting event at our world championships. 
And we invited 100 podcasters in the self-improvement leadership wellness space. They came to our world championships and we set up booths. Obviously, this is not something anyone can do in their backyard, but the idea is to just come up with new ideas, right? And so we had 100 podcasters and we facilitated connections between them, between our athletes, between our sponsors, our VIP guests, all these people and thought leaders, so that each podcaster not only was attending the event, but producing probably five, six, even 10 episodes at that event. And we weren't saying it had to be about our show, but they're going to mention us. They're going to thank us. It's going to become an organic part of a tremendous amount of content. So it had a huge amplifying effect. It was actually more to promote the brand of Spartan, but it had a trickle-down effect of promoting the podcast as well. Have you had any kind of just, I don't know, innovative, different events or promotions or things that you've tried with any of your clients? Yes. Well, I mean, one of the ones paying attention is see if your app or wherever you're hosted, if they bring on new platforms that you can make sure you connect to, that goes back to the first thing I said. But I think also if you go to events, I know you you mentioned those as well, but kind of events that are one adjacent to podcasting, meaning podcasters are already at podcasting events and we probably are all a little stretched for time. And so that might not be your primary audience. Might be, but maybe not. Right. Especially if you have a podcast that's about gardening, a podcasting conference is not the place to find listeners. I've found, though, that like it's it is very interesting that then when you go one adjacent, so maybe you go to the gardening conferences and set up, make sure you take literal old fashioned business cards. I know some people are against that or say it's, you know, it's out of date. How do you feel about QR codes on those? I think they can work. I think over the pandemic became a lot more popular and we're all used to kind of scanning them again. So I think they've kind of fallen out of favor. The other thing is I would just keep trying different things. A really bizarre one that I tried was uh, my son's school had a career day. And I was like, I'm going and I'm going to say I'm a podcast producer. The kids came over. They loved yelling in the microphone. And I kid you not, four years later, someone came to me and said, I've been listening to your show. I'm going to start a podcast. What do I need to know? Like, what? (laughs) So I make sure I sponsor my kids stuff too with my own logo. So that's a way to consider it. And, you know, that means my logo's on 400 t-shirts right now out in the world. And you were one of the sponsors of the She Podcast Conference, too. I was. Yeah. And that was interesting because then I think that becomes more about brand recognition. People, oh, yeah, I saw that podcast name. So I think it's worth trying everything once. You know, if you can afford it, you may be really surprised four years later (laughs) when you get a call from someone. Who said, I saw you at your child's elementary school. Yeah. Career day. Okay. Ready? Repurposing. Repurposing is so good. I mean, we literally, like I said, on my show, my clients' shows, we take everything. Show notes get repurposed into social media, into a newsletter, and we save all of that with a really great spreadsheet so I can find all that content super easy in two years when I rerun the show. We actually have experimented with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with rerunning episodes, even a lot of them, Especially it depends on like what your turnover is. If you have evergreen content, repurpose it, replay it. And also, you know, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook. You could wait. It doesn't have to be synced up. As I mentioned, I think sometimes our content does better when it is not all dropped at the same moment. I think that's such a good point. And even when you're promoting an episode, 
I know the instinct of a lot of marketers is, okay, let me know a week before the episode comes out so I can tease it. And I'm like, why? I'd rather you promote it when it's live and then people can click right through. They don't have to wait. They can listen right then. And it's evergreen. So you don't need that sort of like pent up demand part. So repurposing is great. And there's actually a whole episode just a few weeks ago about repurposing. That was a solo episode. So it's super like step by step. Okay. Number 13, speaking. So I mean, speaking at conferences, speaking at your child's school. I think going in with a clear reason, you know, if it's a conference that's about whatever your show is about, I would not hesitate to pitch. I've pitched some crazy things. I don't mind if I get turned down, you know, at age, I'd be happy to come and talk about podcasts. I'm looking at you, but yeah, I've been giving it a go and just seeing, I know every time I've even attended a conference, I am careful to hand out my stuff. And if I can get on stage, for sure, I've seen a rise in any kind of my downloads, even if it's tiny, like a little retreat or something. I would not discount that. Yeah, because, right, podcasts are such a personal format. And if people feel like they know you, they're going to go check out your episode. Okay, the last two, unlike everything else where we said it's more complicated than you think, these two are actually both super simple. Number 14, if your goal is specifically to grow your podcast then just put the link to your podcast as your one and primary link on your Twitter bio and your Instagram bio, on your Facebook bio, on your LinkedIn bio, make that the primary link. If your goal is to grow your business, maybe you don't want to have that be your primary link. But if your goal is to grow your podcast, if somebody wants to know more about Paula, this is where they go. Can I add one footnote to that one? Please do. About the IG so Instagram is tricky, right? Because there's only one link in the bio profile, whatever. One thing I've started doing with clients is I'm actually adding, I know you can't really click through in the body of a post on Instagram, but we'll often put or go over to my website and put blah 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 because we've actually gotten feedback. People are like, where's the link in bio? And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> I think one of the things there is like, Make sure it's easy because you don't want to rely on the fact that somebody actually understands lingo that we all think is pretty obvious. And we just started doing it. And those questions have all disappeared. We were getting a lot of comments. So I don't know. That's a weird one. That's great. And you know what I've done is like for this podcast, I set up a forward. So if you go to groundedcontent.show, it will take you right to the podcast page on my website. So instead of having to say like, go to groundedcontent.something slash something slash something. Like if you go to groundedcontent.show, that takes you right to the page on my website. To be clear, I do not own groundedcontent.com. So don't go there looking for me. It wasn't available. But groundedcontent.show works. So I can write that in an Instagram description or super it on screen. And it's simple enough to remember. Yeah, that is super good. It's super good. Super good. <laughs> All right. Number 15 is pretty anticlimactic. Similar point. Email sig. And I don't mean like your email list. I mean your personal email signature. You have your name and you have your podcast and a link to your podcast. And that means anybody who interacts with you, you know, it may be that they are looking to research you a little bit to decide if they want to do business or could be, again, the school. They want to check you out, see if you're an expert. Whatever that is, whoever it is, if you're having a one-on-one -on -one interaction, why not put that link? Can I add one that's related to this? 
Number 16? Do we have to change the name? It might be. Well, no, it's 15 plus. So it's similar in that make sure if you're on Facebook, add your show name somewhere in your profile because there have been so many times when people post in a podcasting group and they're like, yeah, my show, blah, blah, blah. And of course, it's not polite to list, you know, you don't put a link in when they're commenting. That's against the group rules. But I'll click through the person's name because I'm curious and nowhere publicly can I find what their show is, what the URL is, any of it. And that means I'm not going to go back out to Google, type in their name, like make it easy wherever you're at, list your show name. And if you're hiding because you don't want people to find your name or something, I think we've all been there about something we've created, but it's time to step out of that. If you want to grow a show, you got to be public with it all over everywhere. I love that. I'm going to have to look and see if I have done that on Facebook. Okay. So we had 15 ways to grow your show to wrap up. What's your kind of overall advice having gone through this whole list? Well, I think I have two pieces of advice. One is pick a few of these things and do them and then do them consistently. Do not feel like this is a list of I have to do all 15. That'll burn you out or you need to hire a team. But like, don't do them all. I don't think we actually do. I mean, I don't think I do them all with every client. I think of this as a list like you listen to this list of 15 And if you're working solo or even on a small team, you listen to this list of 15 and you're like, that one makes sense for us. We could do that. Yeah, I agree. This is not a do all of these list. Is that your wrap up? You said you had a second. Oh, pick a few and do it consistently. Like you won't see the growth if you don't consistently put something on Instagram. Like, please don't say, oh, well, I put it up once and it never worked. Not the point here. The point is, These are things that your audience starts to find you in a place. And if you don't keep communicating with them, same with the newsletter. If you don't send it out, then you won't have that consistency or the recognition from them. And with the newsletter, another thing to keep in mind is then if you want to sell to them later, it doesn't feel as icky. You've been talking to them for with free content forever. Now you're offering something and they're like, oh, yeah, I know, like and trust this person. Of course, I'm going to buy their fill in the blank. All right. So I will do my wrap up, which is. Just remember, when you're thinking about growing your podcast, you have to have all three pieces. And by that, I mean, how do you find new audiences and bring them in? And this whole list of 15 are in that category. How do you get new people to come to your show? Second, when they get there, how do you make sure that what they get is what they were looking for and they know they belong, they know the promise was kept, this is the place for them? And third, how do you get them to come back next time and listen again. So all these 15 things are part of that first part. But the truth is, I would rather you spend a lot of time on that second part because all these things, you know, it's like bounce rate on a website when you look at your statistics. You don't want people to just come in, say, boy, that was a great ad, but this show is not what I thought it would be. This is not what I wanted and never listen again. So get the show good, get the show right, get your messaging right, and then do whichever of these 15 things count. Like this is an episode I published because everybody says, how do I grow my podcast? Okay, here's 15 ways to find new audiences. Check the box. Now let's get on to the important stuff. Yeah, agreed.
If you're interested in podcast coaching, working with me about what you actually say, what you talk about, how you get that great catcher's mitt to receive and retain new listeners after you get them, you can find out more on my website. Just go to groundedcreators.com. I've just started sending out a monthly email newsletter. It's a roundup of all the new content that I've produced and that I'm listening to as well. What I'm thinking about this month. If you want to sign up, you can go to any of my online profiles and you'll find a link there to add yourself to the newsletter. And if you want to talk to me directly, you can find me on all the social media platforms. The easiest thing, just go to that website, groundedcreators.com. That will take you right to the coaching page, but you can travel all around the website and find out more about what I do and how to reach me. 